The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents of Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach would be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more, SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race trips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan-friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto-friendly. They've all been well-researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayRx. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a mom to three girls, and I'm a CPA. My name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach. I'm currently in New Hampshire. I'm a father of two teenagers and a husband and my beautiful wife, Melissa. You're in New Hampshire with one of those two teenagers, right? I am in New Hampshire with my son, Jax. That is correct. Awesome. Very good. Very good. Uh, Happy New Year, everybody. This is our first podcast of 2021. And fittingly, of course, we're going to talk about getting started and and people who are restarting, perhaps, uh, their endurance sporting lives here. Um, Before we do that, Michelle... What you been up to lately? You read anything good? Listen to anything good? You know, just the usual. Kids are trickling in back to school. Um, work's picking up a little bit. But I've actually been enjoying uh, this quick podcast called Ask Lisa. It's hmm. by a child psychologist, and they're about 20 to 30 minutes long each week. And it's all about parenting mostly teenagers through the pandemic. And it's definitely something new that I added to my podcast feed in the last few weeks. And it's only a few months old. 
obviously the pandemic's only a few months old, although it seems like forever, but I've listened to all the episodes now and I just find it a small takeaway from everything, at least one small takeaway from each episode. So I'm really enjoying that. Very cool. Very cool. Ask Lisa, you said. Awesome. Eric, what about you, man? You know, if if you've listened to me before on the podcast, you know that my, my wife likes to go to the uh, the Goodwill and pick up stuff. And she picked up this book because it said ultra running on it. And she said, <laughs> you need to read this. And it's uh, it's Byron Powell's Relentless Forward Progress. Hmm. And on the outset, this is not a book like Finding Ultra um, or Born to Run. This is sort of a a textbook on how to be an ultra marathoner. Mm -hmm. And I think he he has a really good method. He keeps the snippets short to the point. I think it's really, really useful. It's an older book. It's from 2011, but I do not think um, it's, it's aged. I think it's actually a really good guide, especially for someone who's done some ultra marathons or, you know, maybe one or two and starts to think like, I like this and I think I could do a little bit better. So I'm really enjoying it. I'm about 90% of the way through it. I haven't found anything that I didn't think was crazy, but I have found a lot of nuggets that I think are, you know, I can, I can apply to how I run and, you know, help my daughter with her ultra marathoning also. Very cool. Very cool. That book is actually on our shelf. Um, uh, my wife, when uh, she started getting into the ultra world a little bit more in 2011, 2012, right about that same time, uh, bought the book and it still has to be, I think, one of the best titled books, Relentless Forward Progress. Um, and if anybody's like looking for advice on how to like approach an ultra race, that's like, that's such a good way to say it like you just need to make relentless forward progress just keep going and keep going and keep going it doesn't matter the speed of that progress necessarily you just have to kind of relentlessly do it so very cool right that and that applies to the training as well as the actual event you know mm-hmm. just you, you keep moving forward so right on yeah. very cool good point good point i uh i read an article this week um about a cyclist named fabio aru um, and, uh, it was a piece that was in cycling tips. Cycling tips has a really good podcast. Um, and they have a good website where they share news about pro cycling. And Fabio Aru, uh, was one of the best cyclists in the world in like 2015, 2016, finished in the top five of the tour de France, won the Vuelta a España, um, but just has been not great over the course of the past three or four years. Um, he dropped out of the tour de France this year early on, um, and for no real discernible reason, he didn't crash. He didn't, wasn't injured, anything else like that. He just didn't really seem to have it. Um, and after he dropped out, the sport director for his team, which is kind of like the general manager of the team, um, like trash talked him in the media and said that, I just don't think he has it. I don't think he has a psychology to, to compete at this level and that sort of thing. Um, and he was very open on Instagram about how he's in this really dark place and was just struggling to try and, and uh, find his form. Um, and so he ended up signing with a new team uh, and and announced on Instagram this week they'd sign up for a bunch of cross, uh, cross cyclocross races, which are basically, you know, bike races in the dirt and mud. Um, and um, posted a lot of photos of that on Instagram this week and his kind of like refinding his joy in the sport. Um, and it was a cool article because it's all about, you know, getting back to basics and, and rediscovering what it is that makes you happy inside the sport. So um, really enjoyed that piece. And, and I, I initially had been very critical of Fabio Rue. I thought he was kind of a wuss and all that sort of thing. And uh, I definitely see him in a new light. So um, it was very cool. Um, we uh, have a few things that we want to talk about here from the last podcast, from our year-end podcast, of course. The last podcast of 2020, you will, of course, recall uh, that we spent two hours talking to uh, to one another and talking to um, our sponsors and uh, and talking to uh, various people that we had on the podcast this year. Um, and I had reached out to most of those people and invited them to come on to the podcast, um, uh, the last podcast, or to send us their thoughts in writing. Um, and I failed for some reason to reach out to two people who besides Eric and Patrick and Michelle, probably gave more time to this podcast than anybody else last year. Um, And I feel really bad about that. And so I reached out to them uh, last week and they wrote me back uh, happily. They're not so mad at me. They, they are putting me on silent treatment, but uh, one of them was Chrissy Blaisdell uh, Euler. And the other one was Ben holiday. Um, You'll remember that Chrissy and Ben came on when we were testing the different indoor cycling platforms. 
and Ben and Chrissy both tried a bunch of them, and I tried a bunch of them over the course of about six weeks, and then we came and we reviewed a bunch of them. We talked about Sufferfest and Ruby and Full Gas and Zwift um, and Trainer Rogue um, and uh, and Be Cool, um, and what the strengths and weaknesses of, of various ones were, and what our big takeaways were from from that. So. I reached out to them and I asked them, okay, so what are the things that were your highlights from 2020 and what you're looking forward to? So um, I also asked them since this is the first podcast of 2021, what they're looking forward to in 2021. So Chrissy wrote back first. Chrissy said, my thoughts and highlights from 2020. Uh, my favorite race was La Tour, the Tour de France. The whole thing was really a bright spot of joy that I didn't want to end, but the penultimate deciding day was absolutely epic. I totally agree with her on that. Um, she also said, I really appreciated women's professional distance running this year. A lot of great comebacks and performances that were a long time in the making, especially in the 35 to 39 age group. That gave me a lot of hope for the next couple of years personally. Um, and she said, in general, for many reasons, it was a good year for enjoying the journey and learning to be flexible with goals, simplifying them significantly, and what to equate to success. Uh, at 31 weeks pregnant, I'm happy that I've now had a 12 plus mile per week and five day per week run streak for seven weeks now while also doing more consistent and regular strength training than I ever have. Strength training being in quotations because she's carrying around a child. Um, in 2021, she says, I'm most excited about giving birth and I can't be certain how I'll recover for any kind of meaningful athletic pursuit, LOL. Um, but I'm already thinking about a 2022 comeback race. It really is just a carrot to keep moving. So. Um, I, uh, I did tell Chrissy that after she gives birth and wants to be coming back, we're going to have her on the podcast and she's going to talk to us a little bit about that. Michelle, that's something you have experience with. Yeah, I have a lot <laughs> to say about that. <laughs> First thing I'd say is find a really good pelvic floor physical therapist. I think every female athlete during and immediately after pregnancy um, should hook up with somebody for that. So mm -hmm. that's right. my uh, my one word of advice. I can't help you with getting your child to sleep through the night or any of that type of stuff, <laughs> but I can really help you with uh, postpartum comeback stuff. So um, very cool. Very cool. Talking to her after that's where she's at. Very cool. Very cool. Um, all right. And then of course, Ben holiday. Um, ben has been on the podcast a couple of times. He came on to do a race report about the cruel jewel 56 miler, this difficult, uh, 50 plus mile race he's done. And then of course he's a, a big Zwift junkie. And so he talked about that a lot on the cycling platforms podcast. Uh, he said, my favorite 2020 sporting event was definitely the Tour de France, but also the London Marathon. I also appreciated seeing professional athletes racing virtually on Zwift and other platforms. Esports is definitely becoming bigger. Takeaways. I really appreciate how most sports in general have tried to make a comeback, accepted that they can't be business as usual, and took the necessary precautions to make it happen. I like that too, Ben. Very optimistic that the vaccines will help bring sports closer back to normalcy in 2021, although it might not be back until later in the year. I also appreciate how the whole year has forced everyone to evaluate what is truly important and what is not. That's definitely a theme I think that developed on our, uh, our conversation last week. Uh, for me personally, he said, it was great to be able to do some live events. I discovered that I seem to have a knack for timed events where you run for a certain time frame and your results are how far you went. Eric's done a few of those. I entered a four-hour trail ultra in a six-hour track event and placed overall third, second male in the four-hour and second overall in the six-hour track event. I've never done this sort of format and did really well actually with minimal training. As a result, in 2021, I plan to do more of that type of racing. I also plan to return to the Cruel Jewel 56 miler again. Other than that, Zwift time, team time trial racing has been a really big thing for me in 2020. I participate and captain one of my Dirty Watts Mocha team time trial teams, and I'm really loving that, so I plan to keep that going. It's very fun captaining a team to a Platinum League berth. We now have a four Platinum League berth streak going. So very cool from Ben there. Um, any advice for Ben, Eric, about, uh, about doing those timed races? Because I know you've done some of those. Oh. <laughs> uh. Here's a good question. What do you think makes somebody better at a four hour, six hour run as many laps as possible around a track as just, you know, you're going out there for a 50 K let's say, and you're trying to run your best time. What do you think, Eric? Well, it's a different mentality mm -hmm. because the mentality and, and it's, it's that time versus mileage mentality, right? Um, it's weird when you, when you have an end goal of 56 miles, right? So I need to get to 56 miles. You're always counting down. 
But when you're running one of these timed races, yes, the time is counting down, but you're always counting the mileage up hmm. and counting the mileage up. I think it's actually mentally more difficult because it, I don't really know how to describe it that in, in my mind, it's always easier to have like a definite end. I need to run this many laps. So I like that mental challenge of how many laps can I get in, in a certain amount of time. So, yeah, well, but it's saying, I mean, I, th I think what you talk about is a totally different mentality. I think that's super interesting. What you said about counting down versus counting up. Um, I think that's super interesting. I think that, that you know, one of the cruel ironies of endurance sports is that if it's not going well for you, it's going to take longer. Um, and so like, if you start falling apart at mile 16 of a marathon, it's going to take you longer to get to 26.2 than it would if you weren't falling apart. Right. And so, so if you're yes. dying, it's going to take longer. Whereas if it's a six hour race, it's going to take six hours, regardless of whether you're dying or not, <laughs> you know? Um, well, but, but you can cut it short, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you're on a track and, and that's the mentally tough part of it. Like that's, that's a good piece of the mentally tough part because you could just say, I'm done and walk off. You don't have to go to the six hours, the 12 hours, the 24 hours. So there's a, there's actually a strategy in that. Some people will hit a pace, know that they can get to a certain mileage and then say, no one's going to beat me. And they, they walk off and they've only run for 20 hours or 22 hours. Mm. But that's kind of like their mileage and their pace that they go. Whereas other people are really driven to go as far as they can, no matter what, right? They don't have some mileage goal. They really are out there to see how many miles they can pack into that time. And the, the 12 hour one that I've done twice now, um, that that's really been the mentality that drives me. Right. So you get to the, you get to the end, your physical limit, and there's another two hours left in the run. Like I, I blew up, right. I have a choice. I can sit down and say, you know what, I'm done and just let the chips fall as they may, or I can keep trudging forward that you know, we just talked about that relentless progress right, forward. Right. I can I keep, I can walk up the hills, fall down the hills, walk <laughs> up the hills, fall down the hills, you know, and it's, it, it really is a different mentality because I am going to suffer for 12 hours and see how many miles I can pack in. And I think that's what makes a difference. Because if you told me, go out and run 50 miles, okay, I'll run 50 miles and it'll take however long. But if you tell me, go run a 12 hour race, like how many miles can I run? Uh, I can probably do, you know, 62 miles. So, and then you figure out the, what time do I need to do to get to that? And then you kind of base your goals on that. Well, 62 is my goal, but maybe if I did 64 or if I did 60 miles, how does that all fit into my plan? So uh, it's, it's, it's just different. I think it's, but I do, I do think it's fun and I do think it's a, a, a mental challenge. Michelle, have you ever done a race like that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any desire to? No, I'm turning. <laughs> The wheels are turning. We'll see. So, all right. I did, I did a 12 hour bike race one time. Um, I did the Sebring 12 hour and it went well. I had a good race. I trained for it like an insane person because I thought I was going to be doing the 24. And then with about a month ago, I switched to the 12 um, and I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy the training. It was just too much training. It's too much time on my bike in the winter. It was really bitter winter too. Um, but Maybe it was a fun race. What'd you say? Maybe you overtrained. I, I do. I don't think I overtrained. I think I just, um, I think I did too much volume. I do think that, um, but that was what my coach at the time told me to do. Um, and that's fine. So I'm nothing if not coachable. <laughs> um, but you know, technically if, if you're training, <laughs> if you're training for an ultra marathon, say you're training for a 50 or you're training for a hundred or a hundred K you're really training for a 12 hour race or a 24 hour right. race or a 10 hour race time on your feet. Anyway. Yes. So the, the time, the training is really the same, but when you, when the gun goes off, the mentality is different. And I think that's what makes it more interesting at yeah. times. Yeah. Very cool. Can we just yeah. go back to the comment about how you're nothing, if not you're coachable? I am very coachable. But when was the last time you had a coach? The last time I had a coach was 2015. It's been a little while. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I would, and I'll, I'll go ahead and put out, put this out on the podcast. I would love to have a coach right now. Um, and I, I've said that for the past few years. Somebody that can coach George. Um, so, so I would love to have a coach right now. I would love to stop thinking about my own training, but I do so much cross training and I do a particular sort of cross training 
that that it would be I've just never found anybody who's willing to do that. Um, everybody's either, either either wants me to run more, which I can't really do all that well, um, or they want me to 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 or they want me to do duathlons or triathlons. I don't want to do that. So um, you're not that coachable, really. So it's difficult to coach you. If 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 I if I found somebody who who said I see what you do and I like what you do and I have the same coaching philosophy that you do, then then uh, then. I will coach you and I, I would hire that person, but I've never found that person. I just haven't found them. So. so, so George, if you did have a coach and he told you to run, you know, tempo pace for a certain <laughs> amount of time, what, what pace would that be? That would be, I would be, I would run it by feel and it would be roughly the pace that I could hold for about an hour. If I was doing an hour long race. So, so for you, what I, would that I, pace be? So, if it, well, well it, it would it would vary depending on the, my, my current level of fitness what it is today um is clearly different than what it was on january 6th of 2020 because in january 6th of 2020 i was only a few weeks out from the uh tokyo marathon and and was was in a little bit better shape than i am right now as far as running goes so um then it would have been 5 30 to 5 40 pace today it would be 605 to 620 pace probably so and in fact i ran tempo pace today i did a run on zwift you know, and i ran some tempo pace you know that's great that you can assign a number to that i, I think your <laughs> athletes might might benefit from that also this guy's great you should be on the podcast more than yeah. once so uh this is the very conversation for those of you who aren't aware that i ended 2020 with with uh, michelle and and here we are beginning 2021 with it fantastic <laughs> speaking of 2021 let's talk about some of the things we're gonna be doing on the podcast this year um uh when we come to the end of a year of course that's a time to sort of take stock and think about what we've done and, and things like that um and so let's talk about some of the things we're going to be doing this year um uh some of it is more of the same. Some of it's a little bit different. Uh, a lot of it's under the hood, i.e. you won't necessarily see us doing it, um, or it's goals we set for ourselves. We won't necessarily be talking about it uh, expressly on the podcast. But um, one thing that we really enjoyed over the course of the last year was uh, books. Um, and so we have resolved to actually uh, do books on a little bit more frequent basis. Um, specifically, uh, we're going to do one book per quarter. Um, um, and we're going to try and get the author on because we had such a good time with Katie Arnold. Um, and which I think I dare say was one of our top two or three podcasts of, of 2020. And I know that Michelle would agree. Um, and uh, this first quarter of the year, we have a few different nominees and a few different books that we were thinking about. Uh, but we've decided that, that for this first quarter, uh, we're going to read a book called Running to the Edge, A Band of Misfit, Misfits and the Guru Who Unlocked the Secrets of Speed. Uh, by a writer named Matthew Futterman. Uh, it came out in 2019, so it's not a super new book. It's not brand new, but it's not old by any stretch either. Um, so it's less than two years old. Matthew Futterman wrote it, and it's about um, Bob Larson, um, who is the coach of Dina Castor and Mebka Flesky and several other people. Um, the first half of the book is sort of where he got his roots in coaching and, and sort of this group of, of runners that he coached and their philosophy and their approach to running and all that sort of thing. And then the back half of the book tends to be a little bit more from what I've heard about Mebka Flesky and Dina Castor, um, two of the, uh, the great runners of the first decade and a half, I would say, of, uh, of the 2000s here. Dina Castor, we talked about just a couple of weeks ago, still holds the American women's record in the marathon. Um, and so I look forward to reading that. Uh, Michelle, you've heard of this book too, right? I have heard of it. It was not one of my first or second choices, but <laughs> now that the decision's been made, um, I actually really enjoyed Dina Castor's book. Um, I about what maybe two years ago, Let Your Mind Run. I, I've mm -hmm. found it to be very helpful to go back to. Mm -hmm. um, I love the way she talks about Bob Larson. I love, you know, Meb's story and everything that, that he's written. So um, I'm actually really excited to, to read this book with you and, and Eric and hopefully Patrick will join also and, you know, see what we all think and what everybody else thinks. So I think it's a great way to start the year. 
Me too. Me too. The the book again. Um, to I said the name a couple of times already. I'll say it one more time. It's called Running to the Edge: A Band of Misfits and the Guru Who Unlocked the Secrets of Speed by Matthew Futterman. Um, and so we're we're saying what we're going to read now, but we're not going to discuss it for a couple of months. Like we said, like one per quarter. Um, and so so here we are, the first podcast of 2021, the very beginning of Q1, um, and we're not going to discuss it until like March. And so we'll, we'll check in a couple of times along the way, see how everybody's coming along with the book, all that sort of thing. But we're not actually going to discuss it until then. So you got plenty of time to grab yourself a copy, to download it, the audio book, whatever it happens to be, um, and, uh, and give it a read or give it a listen. Eric, you're going to join us with the book, right? I am going to join you with the book for sure. I'm, I'm really interested in this story. Uh, it sounds very current and also it seems like it's going to have some coaching philosophy that I might benefit from. Very good. I agree. I agree. Um, speaking of Eric and uh, philosophy and things that we can benefit from, another thing we're going to be doing in 2021 is, uh, as we said, having Eric on a little bit more often. Um, Eric is going to be talking to us about tech, um, and he's not just going to be talking to us about technology that like the newest thing that has been released, but also different things inside of or different pieces of technology that can be used in endurance sports. Eric, the first one of those is going to be next week. Tell us what it's going to be about. So George, you and I have been talking a lot about running power and kind of the rise of running power. And what's interesting about it for, I think the two of us is we've seen this in cycling and it's, it's, it's actually a really understandable topic, a well-developed topic. It's, it's actually a clearly measured uh, uh, metric in cycling, but when you move into the running realm, it's, it's, it's very different. Um, it, right. it depends a lot on human dynamics. It's not just the bike. Uh, when you think about the recoil of muscles and ligaments, um, and it and it is not as easily measured. It's 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 basically it's an indirect measurement. You know, I, I look at it as mostly an indirect measurement. So we're going to look at the different technologies that are used to measure running power, uh, how those come about, maybe some of the weaknesses in it, and I really think we need to talk about what can be gained from it from a runner, and maybe how a coach could use it. So, so yeah, I'm excited about that that conversation. Me too. Me too. Um, like Eric just said, and those of you who ride bikes know the, the advent of power in cycling is a game changer in the sport of cycling, not just when it comes to racing and pro level stuff, but like Zwift and esports and all that stuff is entirely predicated on power measurement. Um, and so, so um, it has profoundly changed the entire sport of cycling. And so I think that, that, there were some runners that say, hey, that did so much for cycling and it's such a good metric. Um, let's just download it into, into running. And if we could get it right, I think it would be pretty cool in running, but I'm not convinced we got it right yet. So that's what we're going to be talking about more next week. Um, when I said that, Michelle actually might have rolled her eyes at me a little bit. <laughs> I just really struggle with trying to understand running power and trying to analyze my runs by using this metric and figuring out can it help me understand something better, you know, about the run that I can use to help me become a better runner? And I just remember the first time it showed up as a feature, uh, Chorus released it last year. And I think I sent it to you and <laughs> George, you were like, do we need to have a conversation about running power? And I was like, yes, we need to have a conversation about running power. So um, it did help when I was injured this summer and I spent a lot of time on the bike. And, you know, even though the power meters are a little bit off at some of the places that I would ride the bike on, but just, you know, a better understanding, but man, when I go back and look at some of these long, hard runs, the running power metric to me is just, it's an anomaly. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. So I'm looking forward to, you know, listening to this conversation more next week and hopefully asking good questions. So. Me too. Me too. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad we're gonna be having that conversation. It's one I've actually kind of wanted to have for a couple of years. And so I'm, I'm, I'm psyched that Eric said, Hey, for our first tech of 2021, let's talk about running power. Um, and so we're going to be doing that roughly every month, talking about some tech issue or some actual technology. If there's like some, you know, game changing helmet and cycling that comes out or, or, or a new shoe technology or something like that, that comes out too. Um, we'll definitely be talking about that. Uh, by all means, reach out to us folks. If there are certain things, pieces of tech, 
technology that you've heard about that you want to know a little bit more about or that you want us to, to look into and discuss on the podcast here as well. Um, we're also going to keep on doing race reports. Um, this time last year, I put out a call to everybody and said, if you're going to be doing a race, um, share it with us. Tell us uh, about your race. Um, we had a couple of those this year. We're going to be doing our own race reports, kind of like we did the sort of on-site race reports. Um, assuming that we're able to kind of get back to racing, um, we're going to be doing a few of those. Um, I've said a few times I'm signed up for the Eugene Marathon, and I'll, I'll definitely do a race report from the Eugene Marathon if I get the opportunity to run it. I'm signed up for the Berlin Marathon. I'm deferred from 2020 to 2021, um, and I think that'll be a fun race report to do if, in fact, I get to go to Berlin and get to run come late September of 2021. Um, and so we'll definitely talk about that. Uh, Eric has talked about doing a hundred miler this year. And so, so he can give us a, a, an onsite race report with that. Um, Michelle, I mean, do you want to give us a race report? You seem kind of cold, cool to the whole idea. Let's just see how the race goes first. <laughs> that's not how it works, Michelle. You know, know. that's not how it works. I'm thinking about changing the way that it works a little bit. I've All changed right. things since I came on board. We're not changing the format just for you, Michelle. <laughs> well, we might. <laughs> yeah, we might. We'll see. But if, if any of you are doing big races, if you have goals um, that you want to share with us and you're willing to talk to us, uh, you'll recall how we do it. We tend to talk before the race. We talk to you about, the, about what your expectations are, what your training has been, what your goals are for the actual race, your anxieties, etc. Um, and then you, of course, do your race and we'll circle around with you afterwards and, and hear about how it went and, of course, what's going to be next for you. And so um, if you have any races you're doing, it doesn't matter how big or how small the race is. If it's big to you and it matters to you, we want to hear about it. And so uh, we will be soliciting volunteers for that over the course of the next little while. Like I said, we had probably seven or eight volunteers last year. It's just that most of the races that we had people that volunteered for, their races ended up not happening, which was a real shame. Um, but even we had, remember we had Darren Eric come on and talk yeah. about Boston. Yeah. So that was kind of like not a race report, but that was like a would-be race report, right? Um, right. We, of course, had Addie Wetzels come on recently to talk about Ironman Cozumel. We had uh, Charlie Holder came on and talked about Ironman Florida. Um, so, so Yeah. Uh, but I would say reach out and let us know, um, even if you don't want to talk about your race, maybe just let us know what you're racing, because <laughs> it's a little bit unknown uh, what is happening and what isn't. And you could spend hours and hours, you know, searching what races are happening and maybe they're happening, but they're delayed. So reach out and let us know what's on your calendar. And uh, right on. I got my first race of 2021 next Tuesday night. A virtual race? It is. It is race number one of season two of the Zwift Racing League. So I want a brand new team. So like I will a be looking forward league, to that. Basically. What'd you say? It's like a bowling league. <laughs> Would that, that, that it was as comfortable as a bowling league. Uh, I can assure you that these races are far, far more painful than, than uh, drinking beers and, and throwing a heavy ball down a lane. Um, of it's course, just a Tuesday night thing. So that, this is the Tuesday night thing. Yeah, it's Tuesday night that screams bowling league to me. Uh, I gotcha. Yeah, it, seven, it's seven, Tuesday night. You seven, put on your jersey and your shoes. Yeah, it's all yeah. the same. <laughs> and a glove. <laughs> right on. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, also, um, the last thing to mention here is, uh, is that we do have a new discount code with SlayerX. And so uh, I recorded a brand new intro here so that everybody could hear it. Um, but um, our former one, uh, I can't remember what the former one was, ha has expired. And so our new uh, uh, discount code with SlayerX is Pleasant21. Um, and so if you're going to be going there, let them know that we sent you by using Pleasant21 and you will get a discount on everything that you can buy at their website. That's SlayRx, not SlayerX, but SlayRx. So, um, all right. Any other things that I missed in our sort of preview of what's to come in 2021, y'all? I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. All right. Um, like I said, we want to talk real briefly tonight um, about getting started because we know a lot of people are, are either getting started in an endurance sports program or getting restarted here in an endurance sports program. Um, you know, there's always a lot more people at the gyms. There's always a lot more people on the roads and that sort of thing um, in January. Um, and, and that's because there's a lot of people who, as part of their New Year's resolutions and as part of their brand new goals, um, decide to get fit or to get fit again. Um, 
there was just last week a, a brand new peak Zwift number. Did you see this, Eric? 37,000 people were on Zwift at the same time, um, which is just an amazing number of people to all be on this one online platform at a time. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, lots and lots and lots of people trying it out and trying out all sorts of other things as well. And so I figured it would be good for us to talk about how kind of we got started in the sport and, uh, and, and the difficulties we've run into and the advice we would have for people to, who are trying to either start or get started. Michelle, how'd you get started in this whole running thing? Sure. So I'm from Atlanta. I was a competitive tennis player growing up. Um, I quit tennis after a <laughs> bad tournament. That was the sound of me almost falling out of my chair. You were a tennis player? Yeah. I trained with Jerry Baskin. Do you know who that was? Yeah. He lived right up the street from me. Yeah. So, okay. Um, anyway, uh, after I quit tennis, I joined the Atlanta Junior Rowing Association and I was pretty good at rowing pretty quickly. And a big part of rowing uh, cross training was running we would just go out and back for miles on Azalea Drive. And then uh, went to college on a rowing scholarship, injured myself. Um, and after about a year recovering from that injury, uh, the only thing left really was running. So when you're a rower and you're pretty good at running, it's pretty cool. Cause even if you're not the best rower, I was always one of the fastest runners. Um, <laughs> but kind of ever since then, I'm just sort of a mediocre runner. <laughs> And I kind of stuck with it and ran my first marathon when my middle daughter was two in 2011 and um, was not a one and done type situation. So yeah, I'm just a general fan of the sport. I've always been a fan of, I mean, I grew up watching all these sports. So um, I just kind of kept running, actually not rowing, running. It's super portable and I've lived all over the world a little bit and taken it with me along the way. Um, I would say maybe most relevant is, uh, kind of just getting restarted after an injury. And I think a lot of people have had ups and downs last year and whether just they were burned out or not motivated because there's nothing on the calendar or trained way too hard and injured themselves. And now trying to come out of some type of hole. Um, I think the great thing about getting started again is the incremental gains that you get really quickly. Uh, you don't, you know, when you're kind of just peaking once or twice a year for a race and you have these long uh, steady builds um, you get faster and it's and it's fun to get faster but man when you come out there and you go for a 10 minute run and you can barely run and then a week later you're up to 20 minutes and um, you know you just you get it back really quickly so I would say for anybody out there who's struggling to get back into it or really wants to get back into it wishes they were where they were you know, middle of last year or pre-pandemic, just give yourself a little bit of time and a little bit of grace and uh, you'll feel pretty good pretty soon. So. I like what you say about giving uh, yourself gotta... a little bit of grace. Um, I think that's I true. Give yourself a lot of grace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been I a hard year. Because, so. cause, cause I, I think that the biggest enemy of, of for people who are restarting yeah. um, or, or people who are getting, who maybe were fit when they were in high school and then got out of shape because people tend to get out of shape when they go to college and beyond. Um, and they're not, I, I think one of the biggest enemies is remembering how you used to be and sure. thinking that you just need to get back there, you know? Um, and, and you do need to think you need to give yourself a little bit of grace. It'll come, like you said, if, if, as long as you spend a little bit of time doing it. But, um, but yeah, if, 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 you, if you're hung up on, oh, I used to be able to do this so easily, you, you're going to have a hard time. Yeah. I'm also a big fan of just maybe a little splurge on a new pair of running shoes or a piece of apparel or equipment or something that just gets you excited to get out the door. I mean, just whatever it takes. Um, I know it's kind of cliche, but most people never really regret a run unless it's that last run before you're injured for like six months. But, you know, we're trying to (laughs) get away from that here. So, um, yeah, it's kind of what were you about to ask, Eric? I was going to make a comment that I thought that was really interesting the way that Michelle said had a bad experience in one sport and I transitioned to another one that I had a bad experience in that sport and I transitioned to another one. And, you know, I, I actually have some like really close experience with that with my daughter, my daughter, Grace, you know, she, she transitioned out of a sport and she really felt like she had, she, she saw it coming, I, I would say. And she felt like she had, she needed another vine to grab onto, you know, she's she's letting go of one vine and getting onto another one. And as that happened, um, she started getting interested in running. You know, we started talking about this and 
it has become such a huge part of her life and it's, it's filled that void and then it's overflowed. I would say, you know, like it really has, it's really opened up a lot to her. And I just didn't know, Michelle, like, how did you, you said you kind of enjoy running, but did it really kind of like, oh my gosh, why haven't I been doing this? Is that kind of the experience or like, how did that go? I mean, I think for me, when you, I mean, my entire identity was a tennis player and I quit in eighth grade. And then I really had a year of just figuring out what I wanted to do. And I think my transition was more, I was tired of everything just being my fault as an individual tennis player. So rowing to me was something that you could start, you know, much later in life and still be really good at. And it was also a team sport. And I was so desperate for kind of just the camaraderie and, and to kind of dive in with people that, um, you know, I think that was really helpful for me at that point in my life. And when we used to have to run to cross train, I mean, it was horrible for me at the beginning, but then it just kind of became something that I looked forward to. And then I had neighbors who were twins and they were top hat soccer players and they used to go out and run this loop. And I just remember one day being 14 and I was like, well, I want to do that. I want to be able to run that whole thing. It was really hilly. I grew up in Indian Hills country club. So anybody who's in East Cobb knows that neighborhood is all Hills. Um, So it was more just like a personal challenge within you know, a sport where I had teammates. Um, and then when I came out of that sport again, um, after getting injured in college, um, it was sort of just back to the drawing board by yourself. I think a lot of athletes that come out of a team sport in college are once again, kind of displaced and got to figure it out. So I was happy that I found running when I transitioned from tennis to rowing and and running kind of stayed when I was no longer able to row. So I don't know if that's helpful. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's super interesting. I think it's interesting to talk about like the, 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 the sport, it, it met a psychological need that you had at a particular time in your life, you know? Yeah. I would say it still does also. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I made a, you know, a post about it last week. I would say running was just a constant in 2020. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah, I think, I think running more than other sports can, can serve a lot of roles. Um, yeah, I agree. And I, and I think that's one reason why why I've done it for so long because I was a soccer player for years and years and years, um, and then I I ran in cross country in high school in order to get in shape for soccer, and then even into my junior year when I found that I, I had some talent for running, I still played soccer and still wanted to play soccer. And it wasn't until I quit the soccer team. Um, that because I was on the varsity team and they weren't playing me any and I was annoyed by that, um, that I quit the soccer team and I went and ran track. And I still actually remember the day, my junior in high school that I walked from, during study hall, I walked from the soccer coach's classroom where I quit to the track coach's classroom where I said, can I still run track? And he was like, yeah. Um, and that afternoon I went to my first track practice. Um, and it's funny cause I look back on it and you think about like the consequential decisions in your life. And that's one of the most consequential decisions in my life. Probably the only more consequential decision in my life was, was when I decided to get married to the woman that I married, you know, um, the, the, and it was just like a random Thursday. <laughs> and you decided to get married? No, so, no. <laughs> no, I think that was a Sunday. <laughs> that was a Sunday. I got, I got engaged on a Sunday, um, but, uh, but it was just like a random Thursday, my junior year in high school. And then, then I ended up doing that. But anyway, the point being is that, 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 um, it, it, it gave me what I needed that, that I wasn't getting from soccer anymore at that point. And then it continued to, and then over the course of the past 30 years, I've, I've needed various things and it's, and it has always provided those things that I needed. Um, and they've been different things, but, and they're, they're different now than what they were when I was 18 and that that's different from what I was when I was 30. And that's different from what it is now that I'm 46. Um, but it's still providing what I need. Yeah. Eric, how'd you get started in running? You know, it's really interesting what you just said about it gave you what you needed, George. Um, because I, I, I was going to kind of weave a different thread through this, but I think that's a, that's another thread that's kind of woven into my, my getting started. Um, so uh, I was a, I grew up as a left-handed kid. I'm, I'm still left-handed, but you know, I grew up as a left-handed <laughs> kid. And when, not when your anymore. parents, no, that's right. Well, <laughs> externally, I'm not a kid, 
the when your parents uh, bowl or play tennis or played softball or baseball um, and they're both right-handed that becomes this really weird like like trying to teach you how to do things and you're left-handed right and I think it really created this weird dynamic where I wasn't really picking up what they were putting down mm-hmm. and I actually became a swimmer right? There's no hand in swimming, you know? And, and so, but I, I really enjoyed it. I ended up doing, you know, I, I used to live in Marietta, just North of Atlanta. And I, I swam for swim Atlanta, you know, I was doing year round swimming and I was, I was killing it. I was having a lot of fun. And sometime around middle school, they came to me and they said, look, if you want to get to the next level, you need to start doing two a days. And it was going to be like two hours a day. And I'm like, I got to swim for four hours a day. Mm. And it's, it's kind of funny, you know, you're, how your kid mind works all of a sudden I started getting like uh, lots of ear infections and my throat (laughs) was really sore (laughs) all the time and I think my mom picked up on that and she's like you don't really enjoy this anymore do you and I was like no I don't I don't Um, at the same time I was also a soccer player like George and I I really loved it Um, I know now that I was no good at soccer then and I'll come back to that in just a minute but I was a soccer player but the the what what happened when I stopped swimming was that just like that feeling of being completely spent, exhausted, you know, uh, at the end of a workout or a session or whatnot, I didn't get that out of soccer. I was like Michelle. I was the kid who could run the four laps in the time that everybody got their two laps done, just because my lung capacity was huge for being a swimmer. And uh, my dad, you know, the, the one thing my dad has had, you know, did for the longest in his life was run and he didn't run very fast. Um, he, but he did do the Peachtree road race every year. And one day, I don't know how it happened. Like we, we got together and we went for a run. And I've talked in the past about how running is all about relationship and community with me. And I think this is one of the first things that my dad and I did together. And I'm in middle school. <laughs> this is one of the first things that my dad and I did together consistently that was kind of our thing. Um, and it's until my daughter started running, it was just my dad and I and our whole family. Right. So, so it's kind of a big thing. And, you know, I ran a lot of peace trees with my dad, but, you know, I ended up uh, going into high school and some kid told me about, Hey, there's this thing called cross country. You know, I'd never heard of that. And I needed, I wanted to do a sport. I thought I could play soccer, but I heard that cross country had no cuts. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. And we, we started, I think our boys team, our boys and girls team together, we had a brand new high school um, and our boys and girls team together had like 25 people. And by the end of high school, we had over a hundred and the, mm-hmm. the coach held true to no cuts the whole time. And that right there was my group of friends that I piled with for the rest of the time in, in high school. So I think the, you know, that, that, that community and relationship thing with my dad, um, needing something to, you know, expend that energy that I was used to expending in swimming that I just, I just couldn't do that anymore because I wasn't willing to put that time in. And then that community in high school that I knew I needed to have. And I got, um, now it's funny, similar to you, George, I was a soccer player in high school and the JV soccer coach was also the cross country coach. And he actually, um, I think my second season, he said, you know, Eric, um, you are a much better runner than you are a (laughs) soccer player. You should probably think about running track. And, and that's probably when things got serious for running for me. Cause if you just ran cross country, you weren't really a serious runner, but if you did cross country and track, you were a serious runner. So that's probably where it kicked off. Um, but you know, I've had a lot of restarts, um, I pushed extremely hard the summer of my senior year because I really wanted to get my times down. That's, that's the summer that you year. and I met. That is the summer that George and I met at running camp. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, basically, uh, yeah, I did not believe how fast you ran. I'm not sure I believe <laughs> it now. No, I actually saw you run how fast you ran now. But, uh, but, you know, I put in more miles than just about anybody on my team. I came out first race of the season and I ran a PR by, I think, 30 seconds. And then I didn't run that time again till the end of the season. And it was, a, it was a painful, painful senior year. And the result of that summer and that season and me, me doing everything I could to get back on and then 
the track season trying to recover from a bad cross country season was I ended up with two blown Achilles tendons, hmm. uh, completely blown Achilles tendons. Um, I was told, look, you can run on a treadmill or you can run on a track really slowly. And that just wasn't doing it. So anyway, I, I ended up in college and I didn't run for a, a good while, but I had uh, another community, the fraternity that George and I um, were in, in in college, and they had this thing called Greek Week. And they, being the nerds we are at Georgia Tech, we had a thing we called the Pi Mile, which was 3.14 miles. And uh, a, three of us got together and said, hey, we're going to go win this thing. We're going to win this thing, and we're going to do the best we can. And George could not participate. Uh, neither could another runner of, of friend of ours because uh they were on the team and that would that would have been messing with their training but the the three of us got together and they got me running again and you know lo and behold my Achilles were holding out and trained really well for this really smart about it uh the two of them gave blood three days before the race which wasn't really the best choice <laughs> but uh I I went out and I won that thing and I had a blast doing it and it kind of reignited that that you know running desire i think you know hey i can do this again and you know going back to what you said george it kind of gave me what i needed i think i had been kind of i'd been playing intramural sports and all that and just it wasn't enough but it gave me what i needed and it was great to know that those achilles were back and and i could run again mm -hmm. so I, I think again you know but that community of those two guys which one of them happens to be one of the guys we run in the blue ridge relay with uh, uh brett walborn so, you know, I can kind of attribute coming back to the sport once with Brett um, and then, you know, sticking with it for a really long time. And uh, I think, cool. you know, so uh, it, it, it's really been, again, about community and, and relationships and just like, you know, getting that endurance feeling of, of being wasted at the end of a run or the end of a, a good hard race. Um, the most pleasant exhaustion, if you will. Yeah. You know, and filling that need. So, you know, and I, you know, like there's probably been five or six other, you know, restarts of running for me over time. I had mm -hmm. a, I had a, not as bad an accident as you did on the bike, George, but uh, I had a, I had a pretty ugly uh, car interaction and stopped commuting. And I was, I was commuting to work and I had, again, I was like, ah, what do I do? And that's what got me into the ultra running. And again, with Brett and you and, and Lee, so um, again, community got me back into it. So I, yeah, those have been my, you know, starts and stops or stops and starts. And right yeah. now I'm hoping I don't have another stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think that the one thing that's kind of cool about it. And one thing that I think that people can take away from, from the story you're telling here is that, and this is kind of dovetails with what my big takeaway of 2020 was, is that you don't have to have like a particular goal or particular sort of formula you can just kind of go and and find your flow and then ultimately see where it takes you do you know what i mean like yeah i i think that one mistake i've made a few times that i've i've tried to restart is i've said okay well i'm gonna do this and so i'm gonna get back in shape and in six months i'm gonna do this marathon or something like that you know and and i think you're a lot better off not thinking that far down the road and just saying Hey, me and these two guys are going to do this pie mile in a couple of weeks. Let me get in shape and do as best I can as that. Oh, hey, it went pretty well. What are we going to do next? Oh, hey, let's do this other thing. Do you know what I mean? I, and I, I think that, that getting real hung up on what's 20 steps down the road or what's six months down the road or something else like that, I think getting hung up on that can be really self-defeating. Um, yeah, I think you, you don't allow if you, – if you over plan that goal, you don't allow the offshoots. And I think yeah. a lot of times, you know, we, you have people talk about like the journey of life and this, that, and the you got to take the exits and you got to take advantage of the situation that pops up and say, you know what, that sounds really cool. I'm going to try that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so, yeah, I think that's important. And that, you know, it also opens up opportunities for things like you've mentioned this cross training, mm -hmm. right? Like if you don't, if you have this plan of, I have to run this many miles this week and I have to do these five workouts and I have to take this day off. If I'm told to run simple pace, this is precisely what I'm supposed to run. That kind of thing. I have no I idea. I wasn't really thinking along those lines. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think you, you make it too rigid and you don't mm -hmm. open up your mind to things like cross training. And that was, you know, one of the things I learned in 2020, that's a great way to increase your, your volume. Um, and sometimes the intensity but not put the same, you know, damage into your legs that you do with running. 
and and overall increase your performance so yeah i agree with that george you know that i agree with that so so yeah for sure and i think people tend to get too bogged down on those numbers i was joking about tempo pace obviously but i but i've definitely had times when i've gotten burned out because i get too bogged down the numbers Um, how many miles did i run this week how fast did i run this loop the last time that i ran it things like that um, and if I get too far away from the, the camaraderie or the feel or the enjoyment or the competition or whatever it is that I'm looking to get from running uh, from sports at that moment, then, then yeah, it can be frustrating. There's so, there's so much technology that can help you quantify your runs. Um, they can help you quantify your working out in some way. Um, and, and a lot of it is, is, can potentially, yeah, so superficial and, and, and can ultimately be kind of self-defeating. They can 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 actually suck some of the joy out of, of the actual activity. Um, Michelle, do you miss rowing? It's interesting. I don't, I mean, I know you know this because you write my schedule, but I started going to Orange Theory two years ago. Mm-hmm. I go once or twice a week. And my sister, um, who's not a runner, but who's very active and fit, started going to Orange Theory about four years ago. And it took me two years for her to convince me to go back because I was so terrified of getting on an ergometer and looking at 500 meter splits. And Mm -hmm. even if I was only going to be on for 14 to 23 minutes or whatever for the class, it was, it was a whole world of just getting away from whatever I used to pull in high school or college and getting back into it. So, um, more than anything, I mean, there's nothing like, just being in a boat with seven other people and gliding on flat water. Um, there's nothing like the pain of crossing the, that finish line after a 2000 meter sprint when like, you just have nothing left. I've never felt lactic acid in running. Maybe I've never run hard enough. Uh, like I did it. I don't know. NCAA regionals as a freshman. I mean, just, just stuff like that. So I miss the team aspect of it, but I also think that it is just a sport that, you know, unless you live in Oxford or, you know, the New England part of America, I mean, adult rowing clubs are just few and far between. So I think as a high school or collegiate, or maybe even senior national team rower, I mean, at some point you're going to phase out of that sport, the team part, especially. So I miss that. I miss that terribly, but I think that I have a lot that I can draw from and I have a lot of really good friends, both from high school and college rowing. So I'm thankful for it. Um, but yeah, I've never been back on the water. So I don't know. It was hard enough to get back on an erg, but water would probably be way more enjoyable, but just the cost and the time that it would take. I, I can't imagine it right now. So you need to, so the next time you go to the track, carry two 10 pound weights and put a parachute on and do four hundreds and you might get to the lactic acid buildup. That sounds terrible. I think when you were with other people, um, and there's so much on the line and you've all trained together, there's, you can reach a whole other level of suffering. I think so too. I don't know that any, I'm sure that's been written about somewhere. T- but. Team, team time trials and cycling in that way. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't think of another sport that could be close because anybody mm-hmm. gives up, everybody suffers, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, the reality is, is that it's not even giving up. It's that if your oar misses that entry to the water by one centimeter, you know, you, you've, mess up the whole boat i mean you're yeah everything can just disappear in an instant so i i'm i'm glad i'm glad this is this is me holding out my arms putting my arms around you via zoom here i'm glad that you're on my team now michelle oh george (laughs) (laughs) you too eric Yeah. All right, everybody. If you are, if you're getting started in 2021, if you're getting restarted in 2021, good luck to you. We are on your side and by all means, let us know how we can help. Michelle, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Eric, thanks for being with us from a long distance. Yeah. Hey, you know, you didn't let me throw that out there. So I'm up in New Hampshire doing some ice climbing. I call it cross training. (laughs) coolest uh, coolest thing i've ever done with my son uh northeast mountaineering up here doing some ice climbing in new hampshire i would say anybody who has the time um and the desire to do something just absolutely off off the map crazy come up here and do some ice climbing it's fun stuff very good very good eric glad you connected be safe enjoy your last day of ice climbing will do
Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter at itlcoaching, on Facebook at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's SlayRx.com, Facebook.com slash Here4SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter, at OfficialSlayRx. And Instagram, Here4SlayRx, the number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.